everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. We're talking about the book of Revelation. It is the most compelling, controversial, and mysterious book in all of the 66 books of the Bible. It's the golden thread that ties everything together. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn a lot about Jesus. Yet Jesus was sort of veiled in the Gospels. He had moments where he unveiled himself. In Revelation, he has revealed himself. It's almost like a sculptor has has made this beautiful, beautiful bronze and it's draped, then you take the drape off and people are like, whoa. That's the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the reveal. It's about the final things. We get the word apocalypsis from the book of Revelation. Sometimes I say that word and people are like, whoa. Apocalypsis, man. You're talking about the end times. I'm not doing this to scare anybody. I'm not doing this to to freak you out. I'm doing this to build our faith. I'm doing this to give us comfort. Did you watch the national championship game? I'm jumping to basketball now, from golf to basketball. Did you see that? Villanova had the ball. Time was melting off the clock. They did a beautiful job of time management. The guy took the shot, and when he took the shot, time was melting off the clock, and literally when the ball went through the rim, and went through the net, the buzzer sounded, and the Villanova Wildcats won the national championship. I think that's what we should think about as we're studying the book of Revelation. One eye on the clock, yet so many people, when they study Revelation, are so into the clock. When's it gonna happen? When will the end of the world, when does the end of the world occur? And, and how about this? And, Maybe our president is the Antichrist and, 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 and Putin is his helper and, 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 and the horse with 17 spots and seals. It's so easy, isn't it, to get lost in the, 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 the trees that we forget the forest. We need to have our eyes on the game clock, understand time is melting off the clock, but also we've got to play. We've got to shoot the ball. The theme of Revelation is we win. We win. So I've been doing a panoramic view of the book of Revelation. All of us have a panoramic feature on our phones, and you can take the panoramic view. It takes a while to do it. I don't use the panoramic that much, but when I use it, it's cool. It's kind of awkward when you're scrolling through photos. You see these little strips of of, of photos, and they're kind of weird looking, you know? I mean, you can blow up a panoramic photo and it looks good and all that, but I think it's sort of overrated. Anyway, though, when it comes to the Bible, this panoramic view of Revelation is not overrated. We need to understand about it. Now, over the ensuing weeks, I'm going to talk about some very interesting subjects. Next week, I am talking about a general timeline for the end times. I'm talking about that final round of the masters. I'm talking about the the, the, the clock as it's ticking toward the end times. It does not take someone 
who has a genius IQ, who's a member of Mensa, to realize that we're moving toward the end. The curtains are about to close, the credits are about to roll, the line is about to roar, the custodial staff is waiting to clean up the popcorn boxes and the soft drink cups. Everyone sees we're moving toward a one world government, a one world leader, and some say, well, maybe one of the presidents, maybe one of our presidents could be the Antichrist. No, they're not smart enough, they're not handsome enough, they're not articulate enough, no, no. So, so I'll just tell you no right now. Let's do, though, talk about the book of Revelation. Today, we're going to talk about the seven churches. You might be going, why seven churches, Ed? Seven churches? You mean there's seven churches? Back when Revelation was written, there were seven churches. The seven churches of Asia Minor. These churches, several thousand years ago, were in existence. Today, they're not. However, as we study them, we can discover individually what kind of people that we are to be in the church. Because the Bible says the moment we become followers of Christ, we're a part of the universal church. All Christians, all around the blue planet, all over the place, we are part of the church universal. Also, when we become believers, the Bible commands us to become a part of a specific local church. I love how Jesus is so specific about these seven churches. He names them, he even names church members. So as I talk about this, I want you to consider the question, what kind of member am I? What kind of member am I? And that kind of sounds weird, member. Well, the church is called the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Think about our bodies. Every member of our body matters. And if you don't think every member matters, just hurt one of the members and you're like, whoa, I have a hurt ankle. And I've been rehabbing my ankle. I hurt this ankle fishing. And I was filming something, believe it or not, for something we're going to do as a church in the fall, and it shows me actually injuring my ankle, and it was a pretty bad injury. You don't think about your ankle. I mean, I don't, like when I'm walking around, I don't, I don't go, oh, my ankle. I guess my ankles are doing well. Yeah, my ankle. But you hurt your ankle. You jack your ankle up. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about my ankle so much. Every part matters when it comes to the body of Christ. I think Fellowship Church is the greatest church in the world. I'm biased. I, I, I think everybody should join Fellowship Church. I know, though, you have freedom of choice. And, 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 and membership is important. Make sure you join a church. Sometimes I meet people that go, well, I'm not a member of a church. I'm just a Christian. Huh. That'd be like me going, well, I'm a part of the NCAA basketball program. Well, what team are you on? No, I just kind of skip around, Villanova, the U. A&M, Texas, no, 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 you're, you're gonna be part of a specific team. So Jesus, again, is underscoring and highlighting the importance of the church. So as I delve into the seven churches, and I'm gonna do a flyover, a panoramic view of them, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about the word surrender. Say that with me, surrender. That's what it's about. 
The Christian life is not, I gotta try harder. I gotta pull myself up my own bootstraps. I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta get on the treadmill. Oh, it's not about that. It's about surrender. Because surrender is the position of strength. So in these seven churches, we're gonna see surrender. Now the first church I want us to talk about and, and the churches took the book of Revelation, they circulated them in a clockwise fashion throughout Asia Minor. The churches, the seven churches were in effect. Also, Revelation was written to Christians everywhere. The first church is the church of Ephesus. And here's what I want you to fill in. Write something down, please. Uh, uh, lipstick, mascara, a pencil, a pen, write it down because thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through someone's lips to our fingertips. I was researching last night, once again, how much more we remember when we take notes. And I saw study after study that said, it's great to take out you know, your, your, your phones, it's great to take notes on a laptop or whatever, but these new studies say we learn more when we go old school and Write it down. Just like when the guy from Villanova shot the game-winning shot, the scorekeeper, he wrote it down. So write it down. Because the dullest pencil is sharper than the sharpest mind. Now the first thing I'm gonna talk about is romance. Romance, the book, of, the book of Revelation, the first church is the church of Ephesus. Romance. Ephesus was a unique church. It was a big church. It was a mega church. It was a good church, but Jesus said, guys, you've lost that loving feeling. So he said, return to romance. Say it with me, return to romance. You might wanna write in your margin the word heart, heart. Surrender your heart. Revelation chapter two, verses one and two. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. The angel, this, this term angel means messenger. It's translated pastor. You probably didn't know I was an angel, did you? Lisa calls me angel. I'm an angel. No, really, the word angel is messenger. It's used in this context, not a literal angel like Michael or Gabriel. It's kind of a little joke, a little, little, little biblical humor. So Jesus is talking to John. He's saying, John, check this church out at Ephesus. And he says in verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, et cetera, et cetera. Then in verse four, he gets up in our grill. Okay, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the first love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Isn't it easy once you become a Christ follower, you're fired up, I'm a new believer. Yeah, I'm in love. And then after a while, you know, you can, you can lose that love and feeling. It's like marriage, the honeymoon. Someone said the honeymoon is that time period between I do and you'd better. <laughs> if you ever seen a, if you ever seen a guy open a car door for a girl, you ever seen that? Two things are usually happening. Number one, it's either a new car or number two, it's either a new wife. That is. normally how that happens. So, <laughs> so to, to continue to have that romance between a husband and wife, we do the things we used to do. 
That's why we talk about having a date night, taking trips together. You return right to the basics. Here's the basketball, the golf club, the ball. I mean, you have to go, people with the masters, they go back to the basics. The Villanova Wildcats went back to the basics. We've got to go back to the basics. What are the basics? Matthew 22, Matthew 28, Jesus said, love God with all your heart. Then if you do that, you'll love people. And then he said, tell people about it. Even as a pastor, I sometimes struggle with this. And the other day I got this text and this really meant the world to me because this guy, he said, thank you for leading me to our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, exactly 28 years ago today. He signed his name, Phil Elders. That meant so much to me because in the midst of studying for the book of Revelation, in the midst of trying to lead this massive church, it's easy to get lost, you know, in, in, the, in the trees and forget the forest and like, whoa, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So where's your heart? Where's my heart? It's a great question. Have you surrendered your heart? Return to romance. Oh, the church at Smyrna, that's the second church. Face your fear, face your fear. They were dealing with fear. And I want you to write the word feet by that, feet, feet. Surrender your feet. Now, this is the only church that Jesus didn't really give a challenge to. He just, he just applauded them. And this church is what I call a poor little rich church. A poor little rich church. Revelation chapter two, verses nine and 10. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you're rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. There was a sect of Jews that were after these believers. I mean, they were all up in their grill. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. They were going through some suffering. In the Christian life, we're gonna get persecuted some. People sometimes will misunderstand us. Persecution purifies. Let me say it again, persecution purifies. Part of the will of God is going through tough times. God doesn't cause tough times. He allows tough times to purify us. Maybe you've been overlooked for a promotion because of your stand for Christ. Maybe just maybe you're not a part of the clique or the squad or the in crowd because of your stand for Christ. That's okay, God is purifying you. I remember back to my junior high school days, my high school days, my college days. I remember that I didn't always get invited to all the parties. I didn't always get included in this group or that group. You're not gonna be invited on all the trips, all of the, all of the stuff, that's okay. God is using that to purify, purify. So which way are your feet pointed? They should be pointed toward Jesus. Surrender your feet, Lord. I don't know which way to go. Whenever I go my way, I trip up. I surrender my feet. So face your fear, because when you face your fear, it'll falter and you'll grow and go to the next level. Number three, Pergamum. That's a unique name for a place and a church. Pergamum, how specific was Jesus here? Cancel your compromise. Cancel your compromise. Now, write the, write the word ears there. We need to surrender our ears. What are you listening to? How do you spell relief? Well, there was this guy who was a member of Pergamum Fellowship named Antipas, and Antipas was martyred for his faith. He was killed because of his commitment to Jesus. I read a couple of days ago 
that in 2015, there were more martyrs and more recorded persecution of Christians than in any other time period in the history of the world. So people are like, oh, you know, Revelation, that's when everything is gonna get chaos and chaotic, and that's when people are gonna get killed for following Jesus, and that's when the church is gonna be persecuted. Over the last century, we've had more martyrs than in all of the other 1900 years combined. So it's happening now. It's happening now. Go online, read the paper. So this Antipas guy was martyred. But then Jesus is, is, is saying, now, now some of you are compromising. On one hand, you got this guy dying for me. And then on the other hand, you guys are, are, are holding to the teaching of Balaam. Not to get too historical or too hysterical. Balaam was this false prophet that tried to tempt and test Israel. It didn't work. It's a, it's a, it's a unique story that I've spoken about before. Basically, the big idea is compromise. What does compromise mean? It's not about cooperation. I mean, we, we cooperate with everybody, but we can't compromise. We can't have a blending of two things. I'm, I'm not talking about compromise in a negative sense. I'm not talking about where you're doing a deal in the business world, you gotta compromise. Not that. I'm just talking about where you compromise morally. Where you, where, you, where you compromise your speech, where you compromise your stance, where you compromise the truth. You, that, that's what I'm talking about because Jesus wants us to live pure lives. Not because of some legalistic stuff, because at the end of the day, I'm a sinner, so are you. Jesus wants us to live pure lives because he commands it, he knows what's best for us, and he can use us in the greatest way and we're showing our love to him. So it's not like, oh, can't drink, can't smoke, can't cuss, can't chew, can't run around with girls who do. It's not that. No. It's out of a love relationship. I, I live a pure life, a loving life, because I choose to love Lisa and I make decisions based on that love. The same is true in this relationship we have with Jesus. Now, now here's, what, here's what Jesus says, and he uses the R word a lot, repent. That's an about face, right, repentance. So he says in, in, in verse 16, repent therefore, otherwise, he's talking to Pergamum again, and I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Wow. So Jesus, when he came first, was our savior and is our savior, and, and he says, when I come again, I'm gonna be sovereign, king of kings and lord of lords. So the sword, the word of God, the Bible is the sword. Isn't that great? It's a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon as well. The sword, the sword of judgment. It's not popular to talk about, but the Bible talks about judgment. And you hear people all the time say, oh, don't judge me, man. You're judging me. Don't judge me. What does that mean? Because no one can, I can't judge you. You can't judge me, I'm not God, you're not God. When people say that, here's what we're saying. Don't point out anything wrong in my life. <laughs> Don't point out that, okay, okay, okay. So it, it, what, what's, what's wrong with pointing out stuff and just saying, okay, here's what the Bible says. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're judging me, man. No, we're not judging you. 
God's going to judge. One day, Jesus will judge. And here's something that is not talked about very much. You'll not find this on T-shirts or coffee mugs, or if you go to some Christian bookstore and look in the Jesus junk section, you're not going to see this. Christians will be judged. Wait a minute, Ed, I thought we're going to heaven. We are. We're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, so are you. If you're a believer, we're going to heaven. Yeah, we win, but again, it's not talked about very much. Christians, and I'll talk about this during the book of Revelation, Christians will be judged based on what we did with what God has bestowed upon us. Okay, I have gifts that are unique. I can do things in the church. I can do things that you can't do. You can do things that I can't do. So everyone here is unique. We're one of a kind, we're creative geniuses. God, at the end of the hunt, will say, all right, I gave you this responsibility. You had the ability, whatever, sing, to speak, to make money, to lead, to greet, to host people, whatever. How did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? How did you do life with that? So we'll have this big honking award ceremony. Wouldn't that be great? But my man, Eric Clapton, who in my opinion, one of the great guitarists of all time, I mean, many people would say that. Clapton talks about the song, Tears in Heaven. There will be tears in heaven though, because a lot of us will go, Wow, I should have taken advantage of that. God, you put that family in my path for a reason in that situation, and I could do that unique thing. I could write, and I didn't, you know? We're gonna talk about that. We're still going to heaven, but that should cause you and me to go, whoa, man, the clock is winding down. I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm gonna sink every shot. I'm gonna try to make every putt. You see what I'm saying to you? Not out of legalism but because one day we'll be held accountable. I'm not, again, talking about punishment. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. I'm just talking about accountability. Now, the next aspect of judgment, I'm just talking Bible here, Bible 101, will be those people who are not believers. And I'm doing a whole talk on this. That's why you gotta be here for this. Well, sometimes I'll talk to people, I just can't, Follow a God who slam dunks people to hell, man. You know, I just can't dig that. I don't know. Well, here's the good news. God doesn't slam dunk anybody to hell. Hell, read about hell, is not even made for people. Did you know that? It's made for the devil and the demons. So if I go there, if you go there, we go against the will of God. We make that choice. So at the end of the hunt, or when we clock out, we'll face God, and, and God will say, you know what? You kept me at a distance on planet Earth, and I'll give you a greater measure of that in eternity. That's hell. Separation from God. That's what the scripture says. Now, the Bible also says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Ed, how do you square that with what you just said? Very simple. The last sight that the people who go to hell will have will be Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So you either bow now 
or bow later. The judgment of God. Again, it's not popular. It's popular to talk about, let's be happy and peppy and bursting with love and I'm just happy. I just want to be happy all the time. And that's great to be happy. I'm all about being happy. Happiness is not mentioned in the Bible. It's, it's obedience. And then when we're obedient, then we're going to be happy. Let's talk about the fourth church. I got to fly now. Thyatira, Thyatira. If I pronounce any of these words wrong, you cut me slack. There are many, many hard words. Thyatira or Thyatira, whatever. Thyatira. Revelation chapter two, verses 18 through 21. Here's the blank. Inspect for immorality. Inspect for immorality. To the angel of the church of Thyatira write, these are the words of the son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds. And, and talking about the good deeds, love and faith. Then he says, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. And if you know your Bible, if you don't, it's cool, because I'll explain it to you. Jezebel was the most evil woman who ever lived. <laughs> Pit viper. I mean, she was a bad, bad girl, you know. I ought, to do a, I ought to do a series one time called Bad Girls of the Bible. That'd be good, wouldn't it? There's so many bad guys, ladies, I'm, I'm so many bad guys. I've, I've done a lot of stuff on bad guys, but bad, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Bad girls. Bad girls of the Bible. Jezebel was bad. And, and here she's, this, this girl was in the church teaching people, yeah, uh, sexual immorality is cool. And if you study what she was about, Baal worship, they had these, these ungodly temples. They would have these Ashtaroth poles, these platforms where when you would go to worship, naked women would walk out and dance around the poles and guys would put money at their feet. Man, I'm glad that happened 2,000 years ago and not in today's world. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? That was really funny. It's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, so anyway, that's what Jezebel was into. And, and, and Jesus is like, what? That's not, and, and, and then he says, Revelation 2, 26, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Isn't that interesting? So as we live pure lives, as we do sex God's way, he's gonna give us leadership. Here's what God says about sex. It's great. Here's what God says. I've written books about it. Sex is great. It's given to us by God, we're sexual creatures. Yet, here's the deal. We have to do sex God's way. If we do it our way, it's not gonna work the way it should work. We do it our way, yeah, it'll be fun for a while, but it can lead to guilt, it can lead to the destruction of families, marriages, it can lead to disease, it can lead to all sorts of mayhem. And we see that. If we do it God's way, it's gonna be amazing. What is God's way? One man, one woman, together in marriage, the covenant, sex, sex. So we need to inspect our immorality. And, and, and right there, mind. The battlefield is in the mind, the mind. As you heard me say, you know, we're gonna appreciate someone beautiful or someone handsome of the opposite sex. It's not the first look that gets you into trouble. It's the second, third, fourth one that'll mess you up. People are like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, I just shouldn't even, oh, that girl's beautiful, or I'm, I'm a girl, that guy's hot, or whatever you say. I mean, yeah, you're gonna say that. What's wrong with that? But it's, it's, it's like, that's, that's, that's what'll get y'all messed up. So 
so, so anyway, inspect for immorality. That's your mind. Surrender your mind. God, I want to think what you want me to think. I want to feed on this stuff. I want to feed on righteousness and encouragement. It's, it's, it's amazing. Okay, number five. Oh, I got, oh, I can do it. I can do it. Time is melting off the clock. They're telling me, go, Ed. Go. Okay, okay, okay. Why don't you help me? Go. 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 Yeah, yeah, okay. I feel it. I feel it. Okay. Thank you. Number five. <laughs> Sardis, in other words, Sardis, Sardis, Sardis. Uh, stop your slumber. It, 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 this church was asleep, basically. They were asleep. Have you ever been into a church and you're like, <laughs> I have. When you get tired, my eyes start doing like this. You know, you know what my friends tell me? My friends tell me this. They go, Ed, Whenever I'm with you and you start rubbing your hair, it's time to go. For some reason, when I get tired, I start doing that. And then, but here's the thing about sleep. You don't know you're asleep when you're asleep. <laughs> you only know you're awake when you're awake. So when I'm awake, I realize I've been asleep, but when I'm asleep, I don't know I'm asleep. And I've gone to a lot of churches and I thought to myself, these people are sleeping. It's so boring. It's all about the eyes. It's all about the eyes, right? Keep your eyes wide awake. You know, the devil loves to put us to sleep. Sing lullabies to us. Rockabye Christian in the treetop. Snoozing will cause your growth to stop. Ignore the alarm and stay in bed. You won't accomplish Jack, you sleepyhead, until you're dead. My name's Ed. Revelation 3, 1 and 3, Jesus is talking about this, and he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead, man. Wake up. I will come like a thief, and you'll not know at what time I will come to you. Another thing I'm going to talk about is, and this is freaky, the rapture of the church, the instantaneous snatching away of believers. In other words, conversations will end in mid-sentence. Somebody's flying a triple seven, he'll look over, or she'll look over to the co-pilot seat, it's empty. Quarterback goes back to pass, receiver's gone. The instantaneous snatching away. And we're gonna try to see, and people will try to explain it, all the talking heads, and everybody will try to go, yeah, why, why have all these people left? We're gonna talk about the rapture of the church. So Jesus will come like a thief at night, the Bible says. We don't know. That's when we've got to be ready. Number six, the church of Philadelphia. Operate in obedience. As I said a second ago, the secret of the Christian life is obedience. So stop your slumber, surrender your eyes to God. Operate in obedience, surrender your hands to God. And this is a cool verse. Revelation chapter 3. Uh, last part of verse seven. It says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. That's how to become a Christian. The door is open, and when it's open, you can't shut it. But once the door is shut, you can't open it. We have an opportunity to become a follower of Christ. The door is open. We've got to run through it, right? That's an open door. Boom, i got to hit it. How do you become a Christian? By being a good guy or a good girl, by keeping your nose clean, by paying your taxes, those are great things, but that does not make you a Christian because good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, die sacrificial death, to rise again. 
We become a Christian by making a decision. 33 years ago, I said, I do to Lisa. I made the decision. As I say all the time, I'm still realizing the implications of that decision each and every day. The same is true, some of you just got that. The same is true when you become a Christian. You say, I do, then you realize the implications. But it starts with a decision. So one day the door will be closed. I don't know when it's gonna be closed for you, but I would say, walk through the door. The Bible says, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day. So your hands. And, and uh, Jesus said, you should have kept my word and have not denied my name. We keep the word. We keep the word of God. We keep doing what God wants us. We keep driving our lives by this owner's manual. The seventh church, the church of Laodicea. Turn up the temperature. Turn it up. And that's the mouth, the mouth, the mouth. Jesus, this is kind of a gross section of scripture because Jesus says in Revelation 3, 15 through 16 and verse 19, he says, you're neither hot nor cold. Talking about this church. You're lukewarm. He says, I want to just spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm coffee? Lukewarm espresso? Lukewarm soup? Lukewarm steak? A lukewarm soft drink? Lukewarm? lukewarm? Don't you know people who are kind of just there? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Just, just totally apathetic. You know. I would rather, I'd rather talk to somebody that hates God or has all these questions in her, ah, than somebody's like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's okay. You know what I'm saying to you? So that's what Jesus is saying. But we need to be hot. And I'm so glad that Fellowship Church is a hot church. We're on fire, man. Fire. We're on fire. And the temperature is hot. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. But again, the big overarching principle that I want you to take home, your handle is surrender. Surrender your mouth, surrender your hands, surrender your eyes, surrender your mind, surrender your ears, surrender your feet, surrender your heart. Just think, God wants you to be the ultimate, ultimate believer. And the scripture says in Revelation 3, 19, and this is Jesus talking, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, not punish, not punish, discipline. So be earnest and repent. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Are you a member of a local church? I think Jesus has told us today, Membership has its privileges. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this, this time. If there's someone here, Lord, and you've never established a personal relationship with Christ, you can do so. Because yes, God, I thank you that this message was to seven churches 2,000 years ago. I thank you that this message is to us today. And also, God, not only is it to us collectively, but also individually. And if you're here and you've never established a personal relationship, if you've never walked through the door, you can do it by simply saying, God, 
I admit to you what you already know, that I've messed up, that I've sinned. I repent and I believe. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, to rise again, and right now, I give you everything. I give you everything. If you made that decision, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. You might be in the balcony, you might be on the floor, you might be in Miami, you might be in Dallas, you might be in Fort Worth, you might be watching this online somewhere overseas. Awesome, thank you for these decisions. Others here need to commit and join a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. Every member matters, and you have a part in this church that only you can play. So Father, we give this time to you. We thank you for this time, and we sing this song to you as an act of worship and an act of proclamation in Jesus' name. listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.